All right, I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 9. 50, 38 through 50. And while you're doing that, I am going to say good morning, I hope, church. If you love Jesus Christ, say amen. All right, very good. That was a nice touch. All right, Mark chapter 9, starting at verse 38. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly, I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. Now, this passage is actually broken up into two sections, that section and the next section, which I'm going to focus on. But I wanted to say one thing about this section. Think about what was happening here. The disciples were out and about, and they met a man who was driving out demons in the name of Jesus Christ. And they tried to stop him because he wasn't one of them. It was like they thought they were the only ones that had authority to do that. They thought because they were with Jesus that there was something special about them. And there was. But it wasn't quite as special as they thought because other people had the power of Jesus Christ in their hearts and in their lives and they were able to drive out demons in the name of Jesus. And the disciples tried to stop them. So just think about that. That's, that's a whole other sermon in itself, but I wanted to touch on that. Now I'm going to pick up with the next section. Jesus says, Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. And before I go on, I just want to say that Jesus is not telling you to mutilate yourselves. Because if we took this literally and cut off every part of us that caused us to sin, there wouldn't be nothing left of us. We'd be a little stub. So please don't go out and start cutting your hands and arms and legs off, gouging your eyeballs out. That is not what he means. What he means is anything in your life that causes you to sin and keeps you from doing the will of God needs to be stopped. 
Okay, so I just want to make that clear before we go on. We live in a world where it seems like cameras are everywhere watching us. If you go into a grocery store, there's a pretty good chance that somewhere in that store there's a camera that's watching you. You can't hardly go out into public without a camera recording your actions. All of a sudden, it seems like the eyes of the world have been turned upon us. But you know what? The truth is, people have always been watching us. You know, somebody takes on a new position, people are watching and waiting to see how they do, how they react. And as Christians, people who claim to be Christian, people are watching very, very closely because they want to see how they act. And sometimes, more importantly, they want to see how they react. The question so many of them are asking is, do we walk the talk or are we just all talk? Do we walk the talk or are we all talk? You know, there's an old saying that says, we may be the only Bible that some people read. We may be the only Bible that some people read. Now, just imagine if our entry into heaven depended on the behavior of someone whose life was greatly influenced by us. What if our entry into heaven depended on the testimony of everyone who knows us and sees us on a regular basis? What would they say about us? Could they convince God to let us in? And a really frightening question I thought of, what if someone else's entry into heaven depended on what we had taught them by the way we live our lives? Now, our first thought may be that, you know what, we're not responsible for anyone else's actions. And to some extent, that's true, but to some extent, that's totally false. You see, before Jesus left this earth and went back to heaven, he left very specific instructions for us. In Matthew chapter 28, 16 through 20, subtitled The Great Commission, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You know, not every Christian is called to be a preacher, but every Christian is called to preach. Whether by words or by actions, we are called to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the question is, how do we make disciples? How do we teach people to observe all that Jesus commanded us? And the best answer that I've ever had for that is by example. People learn by examples. He tells us to make disciples of all nations. All nations. Who is all nations? Everybody. People all around the world in every country. But also and the people next door. 
the people that live across the street, the people at work, the people in the grocery store, and most importantly, the people in our home, our parents, our grandparents, our little children. We are called to make disciples of everybody. We are called to make disciples of everybody. Now this may seem a little off track, but bear with me. Job chapter 6, verse 6. Job says, Is tasteless food eaten without salt? Or is there flavor in the white of an egg? I refuse to touch it. Such food makes me ill. You know what? There's a lot of food that's very bland, that doesn't have a very good taste. One thing that you'll find pretty much in every restaurant in the country, at every table, is one of these. A salt shaker. Colossians chapter 4, verse 5. Paul says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So what does that mean? We should walk around with a salt shaker? So that when we talk to people, we can... You jerk! Here, let me season that up a little bit. Idiot! Oh, sorry. Have a nice day. No, that's not what he means. He means that we live in a very bitter world. There's a lot of very bitter, nasty people out there. There's a lot of very bitter, nasty language out there. And we are supposed to talk in a way that is tasteful, that is graceful, that is something that others would like to hear. Jesus calls Christians to be salt and light. Matthew 5.13, he says, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now Luke records a very similar passage from Jesus. In 1434, Jesus says, Salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is of no use either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown away. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And what I get out of that is that if we are not seasoning this bitter world with the love of Jesus Christ, it appears that God doesn't have too much use for us. He says if the salt loses its saltiness, it's not even fit for the manure pile. 
So what does that say about us if we are not salting the world, if we are not sharing the flavor of Jesus Christ? Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 18, verse 2, he says, unless we change and become like little children, we will never enter the kingdom of heaven. He's saying that we must be like little children in our relationship with God. In order to get to heaven, we have to totally trust in him to guide us, to direct us, to protect us, and provide us with everything that we need. We've got to realize that we are totally and absolutely helpless without him. That nothing we do is on our own accord. It's by his grace and his power. By the same token, we need to teach this to our children. And how do children learn? By example. Children imitate adults. They're watching and listening to everything we say and do, even when we think they aren't paying attention. My grandson Micah just started kindergarten this year. A couple days ago, he was teaching my wife a nursery rhyme. She already knew it, but she kind of played along with him, and she messed it up. And he says, no, no, pay attention, follow me. And then after he, he taught her the proper way to say it, he says, now you do it without my help. He's becoming a little teacher because he watches the teacher, he admires the teacher, he looks up to her and respects her. Children imitate adults. Sometimes, however, we think that, you know, if we do something that's wrong, as long as it's just a little bit, the kids ain't going to notice. They won't pay attention. I only lie once in a while. Not enough for them to notice. Not enough to hurt anything. I only use bad language once in a while. They're not going to pay any attention to it. They won't pick that up. Only watch bad things on TV occasionally, you know. They're not going to pay that much attention to it. They won't notice. It won't hurt them. And I've told this story before, and I think it's worth telling again, about a man whose kids thought it was okay to lie, to cheat, to watch things on TV that were inappropriate, to listen to music that was inappropriate, as long as they didn't do it all the time, just occasionally, once in a while. So one day the man made some brownies and he told the kids that he used a special ingredient. And he wasn't going to tell them what it was until after they ate it, after they tried the brownies. So they tried it, they loved it, they said, what's that special ingredient we want to know? Oh, I just threw a little bit of dog poop in there. Just a little bit of dog poop. Not enough to hurt anything. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. I don't want any dog poop in my food. Not just a little None at all, period. Zero tolerance. God doesn't want any in his temple. And he sure doesn't want us giving it to our kids. James 1.27 says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. 
Now, the NIV translates that as keep oneself from becoming polluted by the world. How do you get polluted? Just open your eyes, look around, walk outside, turn the TV on, walk into the grocery store, look at the magazines everywhere you go. Sex of all kinds. Everything is okay. You name it, they got it. Commercials. Bad things are presented as though they are good. They're glorified, presented as acceptable. The way of the world. Another way to get polluted, the music that we listen to. Man, there is some nasty music out there. And you know what? Some of the music itself, the actual music, not the words, it's good. But the words that go along with it are trash. It's filthy. Glorifying sex, drugs, alcohol, even hurting people. See, we deceive ourselves. We listen to his word, but we don't always do what it says. We watch, we listen, we don't turn away from the things that we're supposed to. And we don't teach our children to turn away from them either because they see what we do. They pay attention to what we do. People look at the things going on in the world and they say, eh, whatever, you know, everybody's entitled to do their own thing. Another way we pollute God's temple is by the things we physically do to our bodies. And again, I've talked about this before. It is part of my testimony. It is a way that God worked in my life. I started smoking cigarettes when I was 15 years old. I smoked for 23 years. I was smoking almost three packs a day. I was totally addicted to nicotine. First thing in the morning, cigarette. Last thing at night, a cigarette. I tried to quit lots of times. But the truth was, I did not want to because I liked it so much. It was part of my life. The thought of waking up and not having a cigarette, to me, was like waking up and finding out my right arm was gone. But when I knew that I wanted to give my life completely and totally to Jesus Christ, I knew that I had to give those up. I started praying six months before I even thought about quitting because I knew I couldn't do it on my own. And that's my father-in-law, and he will still tell you, if there was one person in the world that he thought would never, ever, ever quit smoking, it was me. It was part of my life. I enjoyed it. I loved it. But I also loved Jesus, and I knew that my temple, his temple, couldn't take it. I've not had as much as a puff of a cigarette since December of 1996, almost 21 years, almost as long as I smoked for. God expects us to be a good example. But he knows we can't do it by ourselves. He knows that we are weak. He knows that we are human. He promises to help us. All we have to do is ask him. So what is keeping you from being, a, from being a good example? What is keeping you from being a good example? Relationship that you shouldn't really be in? Music you shouldn't be listening to? 
movies or TV shows that you shouldn't be watching. Maybe the language that comes out of our mouths. James 3, 9 says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing? My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Maybe you've got an addiction. Maybe you're addicted to alcohol or tobacco like I was. Drugs, sex, pornography, gossip, even food. Whatever it is, God will help us overcome it if we ask him. God has given us an indescribable gift. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And each and every one of us are called to tell others about this indescribable gift from God. Remember I Hope's mission statement, to live and to tell the indescribable good news of what God has done, is doing, and will do in Jesus. God can do anything he wants to. He can do anything through us if we let him. We need to ask him in his name in accordance with his will and purposes. We need to be right with God. We need to be right with others. We need to teach people about Jesus Christ each and every day by the things we say, by the things we do, even when we think no one's watching. We need to prioritize our lives. Whether we like it or not, how we live our lives influences other people. God is going to hold us accountable for that influence. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, 8 and 9, one of my favorite sections, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. When the Israelites were just about ready to enter the promised land, Moses said to them in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 9, Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules, that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, 
the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. So according to this passage, when should we not focus on God? When should we not be teaching our children about God and how to live their lives for Jesus Christ? You know, I can't help but think some of the problems that one of my kids has is because of the way I used to live my life when he was young. And I got to live with that. I got to answer to God for that. Whether we like it or not, how we live our lives influences other people. And God's got to hold us accountable. Children learn by example. People learn by example. The question I want to leave you with, will God be pleased if our children or grandchildren or nieces or nephews grow up to be just like us? Who is watching you? Let's pray. Lord God, you've given us a big responsibility to share Jesus Christ with the world, to make disciples of all nations, to teach people to obey the commandments that you have shown us, that you have given to us. To teach children not to sin. Lord, this is something that's impossible for us as human beings. But with God, all things are possible. And we know that you never give us a task to accomplish that you won't help us with. And Lord, we need your help. It is a cold, bitter world in which we live. Help us to be salt in this world. Help us to be light in this world. Help us to teach others about the love of Jesus Christ by the way that we act, the things that we do, the things that we say. When people look at us, let them see you. When children watch us, let them see Jesus Christ, Lord. Let them want to be like him. Not us, but him. Father God, empower us. Help us to keep your heart close to us. Help us to keep your word in our heart and to share your heart, to share that word, to share your love and your truth with others each and every day with everyone. 
We just ask all of this for the honor and glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.